that was a risk right there. I really didn't know if I could fit through it. Because let me tell you, I got some situations, okay? I didn't know if I was going to fit through it. But glory be unto God. He made a way, didn't he? He made a way. Well, good morning. Um, good morning. I'm so excited to share the word of God with you this morning. Um, as my dad says, whenever he enters a party, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. So don't worry, we're, we're gonna get out of here. Um, he really does say that. Um, Shay, can you please come help me with this stand? You see it, you see it. Okay, so I actually meant what I said. Uh, I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. I had a very different message prepared originally, and as I went throughout the week, I didn't have peace about it, and I felt very led to just walk through the word this morning, to really simplify things. So that's what's gonna happen. You know, normally when I preach, I'm gonna tell you some crazy stories, gonna be some songs, maybe dancing with headphones. No tricks up my sleeve today, just the word of God. Um, and from a preaching perspective, let me just tell you, that's a really terrible idea, right? To just like focus on a lot of scripture. But I'm gonna tell you why I feel confident in doing just that when we get to the very end of today's message. And I can promise you this in the meantime, it will not be boring even though we're just gonna look at scripture because it can't be boring. And that's not because I'm a magician. That's because the section we're looking at today chapters three and four in Hebrews. That is one of the most active and powerful and urgent passages in the Bible. It's urgency from start to finish. It is its own little urgent care center in the Bible. And I happen to be an expert on urgent care centers, um, not only because I have a child that's always sick, uh, but because we have four in my neighborhood, and I think that makes me an expert. One across the street, down the block, they're just popping up left and right. But I'm not complaining about it because urgent care centers are very convenient. Urgent care centers exist because there are times when we have conditions in our lives that are not life-threatening, right? You got something going on, it's probably not gonna kill you right away, but it still needs immediate care and action. If you just leave it like it is, it's gonna get a lot worse. And so that is what's happening in chapters three and four of Hebrews. I want you to go with me now. We're in the urgent care center because the author of Hebrews is saying, we have some problems going on in this community that still apply for us today and they're not life-threatening. They're not gonna kill you right away, but if you don't take care of it, it's going to cause major problems. And the problem is this, that God has promised rest for us. God has rest waiting for you. But some of us who love Jesus, we follow Jesus, we wanna be all about Jesus, we are failing to enter into God's rest. So that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. I'm gonna ask you to quickly pray with me and then we're just gonna keep rolling through it. Hmm. <laughs> Lord, I think there's a reward whenever we are obedient. And I'm looking out, Lord, at a sea of faces that have been obedient in waking up this morning and making their way here to spend time with you. 
to prioritize your word and your will and your way. And I pray, God, that we would receive the full reward, the full rest that comes from doing just that, spending time with you and looking at your word and studying your will and desiring to know your way, the way of rest. Mm -hmm. Amen. Okay, here we go. Hebrews is a very interesting, very complex book. I'm gonna be honest with you, not one of my faves, but I make myself go back to it as often as I can because it has a lot of important information in it. Now, there's a lot that is unknown about Hebrews. No one knows who wrote it. People have been debating this from the beginning of time since it was written. No one knows who wrote it but we do know who it was written to. Hebrews was written to the group that I like to call the rocky soil. And that's a throwback to the parable of the sower that Jesus told us. You remember he had four, he told a parable about a farmer who went out to sow, to sow over four different types of soil. One of those types of soil was the rocky soil. The rocky soil represents the people like you, like me, and like the people in the Bible, people who initially receive the word with joy. You don't have to convince us. You don't have to force us. We receive the word with joy. We love it. We love the Lord. But sometimes when trouble hits, when trials hit, when bills hit, when divorce court hits, when persecution hits, it can get you in a place where your faith begins to wane a little bit. It's a little hard to hold on to it, right? And that's what's happening to this group. These people have converted to Christianity. They've said yes. They've been in for the ride. But now they're being persecuted and they're under a lot of pressure for their faith. And that pressure is threatening to undo all this wonderful progress that's been made. And so the author is urgently saying, guys, wake up. Don't be tempted to let go of your faith. Don't be tempted to let go of Christianity and go back to what you used to do, but instead do these three things. Number one, stay faithful to Jesus. That's gonna always be the place to start. Stay faithful to Jesus. Number two, avoid rebellion and unbelief. And number three, rest. Let me say that again, because when you get home tonight and you're like, well, what was the point of the sermon? Or what am I supposed to be doing this week? Here are your three objectives. Stay faithful to Jesus. Avoid rebellion and unbelief. This is the section I call, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> Kendall, who's in the back today, um, I can't remember if it was Easter or Palm Sunday, but she came in with an Ice Cube t-shirt on, just a huge picture of Ice Cube's face. And this is for Kendall. This is the check yourself before you wreck yourself section, for real. And then number three, rest. That's your third objective. Because if we don't do those three things, we will go back to what used to keep us in bondage and we will miss out on the promised rest that God has for us. More specifically, 
we're gonna, we're, gonna in, we're gonna fail to enter into that rest and we have to make sure that we avoid doing just that. So here we go, part one, gonna move quickly now. Stay faithful to Jesus. Can I please have Hebrews 3.1 up on the screen? Okay, Hebrews 3.1, I almost fell. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, Think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. I'm a fast reader, and I'm old, and I wear glasses. So when I see stuff like this, I'm just skimming over it. Okay, yeah, yeah, brothers and sisters belong to God. Think about Jesus. And then I'm like ready to get on to the next thing. But we got to slow that part down. We can't skip over step one. Part of the reason we're talking about this is because in a couple of weeks, we're going to start getting into spiritual gifts, right? And the Holy Spirit and being filled with his power, being ready to lay hands on people and heal them, being ready to speak in tongues, right? Sometimes we want to get to that stuff, but we want to skip over the basics. This is where we have to start. You got to tell everybody that's not here today, when we get to that point, go back and listen to these Hebrews messages because these are the foundation for where we're going to go. You're not going to be able to operate in full Holy Spirit power if you are not at rest in understanding what it is that God has for you. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So it says, think carefully about this, Jesus. So... Like I said, we could skip over it, but let's stop and do just that. Since February, all we've done is talk about Jesus. All we have tried to do is answer the question, who do you say he is? That is the Jesus you're being asked to think about. Quick, first word that comes to your mind, Jesus, who is he for you? For me, what comes up immediately, I always hear Savior and Master. Who do you hear? What do you hear? What word comes up for you? Love? Love? Shay, what you got? Grace? Good Father. father. You're going to make me cry. What? King. King. It's important that you be ready to answer that. And it's important that you let that question, um, you know, flow throughout your soul every now and then. Who is he exactly that you're being asked to trust in and stay faithful to? And what are the stories about him that come to mind, you know? I think about him laughing with kids. I think about him being on the boat with the disciples and they're so scared. And he says, why are you scared? I'm right here with you. That same Jesus we just sang about, come to the altar who's calling. That is the Jesus that you're being asked to stay faithful to. Not the big religious idea, but the very real, very good Jesus who when he can't find you and you don't show up, he goes looking for you specifically for you. So now that we have that, that Jesus, and nobody can take it away, now we're ready to move. 
okay? And we about to hit a really hard, very sharp, sort of jarring turn in this text. So prepare yourselves. Because now that he asked you to think about Jesus, the author is going to start comparing Jesus to Moses. Now, this is done in a very respectful way. The author is very, uh, you know, clear and intentional to point out Moses worked hard. That man got up and worked hard every day. He was very faithful in his service to God. But the author's kind of saying this in order to get to what he really wants to say, which is, and I want you to remember what happened to the people who were with Moses. These are the parts in the Bible where we start to walk on eggshells and we start to read a little bit faster because it's very, uh, it's very serious. It's not a joke. The author says, remember what happened to the Israelites. Remember that those people were enslaved and then God set them free. And did they have a big epic battle to be set free? No, babe. They walked out. They walked out because God performed so many miracles on their behalf that the Egyptians said, please go. You, ha you have to go. You have to go. They walked out. Do you want to fight your way out of your battles or do you want to walk out? Because I'm ready to walk. He says, don't forget that after they walked out, and the Egyptians changed their mind and tried to catch him, God destroyed the entire Egyptian army. Don't forget that when they walked out into a dry foreign place, God kept being God. And he gave them manna, and he gave them water, and he gave them wisdom. And don't forget that God then said, I have a very special place for you to rest after being enslaved all this time a land called Canaan. And don't forget that they never got to go in. Why? Because of rebellion and unbelief. We gotta stay faithful to Jesus and then we gotta dip and dodge rebellion and unbelief. Quick reminder, when Israel reached the promised land, right? They say, I think there's somebody in there. Why don't y'all, why don't you 12 go check it out and tell us what you see? God had already told them this is for you. God had already said, I have this and what I say goes. But still they said, you know what? We're not quite sure. So they sent spies into the land and 10 of them came back and said, we can't do it. There is no way we can live here. You know, we're small, we're weak, we'll never take the land. This is not for us. And when that started to permeate throughout the camp, that group of people started to say, you know what? I don't think God knows what he's doing. And I definitely don't think Moses knows what he's doing. We need a new plan. We need new leadership. Does that sound familiar? And God, who is so loving and so just, could not overlook that. That unbelief, which didn't seem life-threatening, which didn't seem like it was going to kill them on the spot, 
was poisoning everything that they did. It was robbing them of fully trusting God, of fully enjoying the wonder of going where he says to go and saying what he says to say and doing what he says to do. That is the way of rest. That I'm just obedient and I'm in the flow. So they rebelled. And they did not believe, and as a result, they did not enter the promised land. And the author is saying, we cannot afford to make the same mistake. So now, moving on to Hebrews 3.12 and 13. Hit me, please, Sarah. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Make sure that your own hearts, I'm talking to myself, Jasmine, make sure that your own heart is not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. That's how sin works. It gets a hold of us. Sometimes we gladly take a hold of it. We act like it's not a big deal, and then our hearts are hardened until eventually we turn away from the Lord altogether. I work in ministry. I see people turn away all the time, and it's never like an overnight thing. It's like, yeah, you could see that coming. I see the sin and unbelief and the sin and unbelief, and one is feeding into the other, right? Until eventually it's like, well, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study this other path over here. Okay. When I um, turned 30 many, many, many years ago, um, why are you laughing, Eric? Uh, when I turned 30, um, I had a moment where I just decided, like, I'm going to play the guitar. I'm going to be a cross between Prince and Taylor Swift, and the world is not ready. And so I asked Brandon to buy me a guitar for my birthday and to buy me guitar lessons, and he, he obliged. He, he saw the vision. He saw it. And um, I started taking lessons. And, you know, they don't tell you how much it's going to suck at the beginning because your fingers hurt all the time from playing the strings. And they're like, oh, no, it'll be fine. Like, pretty soon you'll get little calluses on your hands. And eventually that's what happens. And, you know, the more you expose your fingers to it, the harder they become. Okay? You get used to it. But even to this day, I can still feel them, and it doesn't feel right. You're never really at rest when you're just tolerating the sin that you know if you go to the Lord, you have the strength to put it down. So we have to check that. We have to make sure we're not turning away from the Lord and not failing to enter into his special place of rest. Last of the scary passage, then we get to the good news. 315, please, Sarah. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, whenever you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. But 
That's the um, good news theme music. There is good news. There is always good news. That's why we show up here every Sunday to hear the good news. There's always a ram in the bush, and there's always good news with, with the Lord. Hebrews 4.1, please, Sarah. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. Hebrews 4.1 is reminding us that there is a place of rest for us too. Now, it's no longer a physical place. We're not talking about a land named Canaan. We are talking about two things, though. We're talking about an eventual heavenly rest, a final rest, that place that we will enter into when uh, uh, body, spirit leaves body. But we're, we're also talking about a spiritual state, being at rest in God, resting in God, a spiritual state where our relationship with God is always being deepened. This is where we depend on him and we depend on him to be our everything. Rest is trusting in the Lord and being confident in him. In the Old Testament, rest literally meant the presence of security. That's where we're trying to get to that place where we are confident in God, where we trust God. We're at peace, not because everything's perfect, not because our house is clean, not because we're necessarily getting the best sleep of our lives, right? Not because everything's settled, but because I'm confident in God. I know he has me. I'm good no matter what. With Alex's permission, I want to tell you a very quick story about an exchange that we had in relation to, um, to rest. Um, quick side note about that. I think the worship team is brilliant. You know they're brilliant because you hear the brilliance in the few little songs that we hear, right? But like that's all coming out of them. And I'm the type of person, you know, I like to be around people that make me better. So I am constantly going to them. Like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Right? Like, let's just debate and, and pray over it. So a few weeks ago, um, Alex and I went to the same party and I cornered him at a party. So fun. When he was like trying to take his son home or something. And I was like, Alex, uh, this is what we're going to be talking about. This concept of rest and Hebrews and what do you think? And so, you know, we, we volley some ideas back and forth for a while. And um, I'm paraphrasing this. So talk to Alex more about it. But eventually he said, you know what? Um, I don't always think of rest as a positive thing. And I was like, ooh, now we're getting to the good stuff. Say more about that. He was like, yeah, I don't always think about rest as a good thing. Because sometimes I think of it as like I'm in a game. And I'm playing the best game of my life. I'm like in a soccer game. And here's my coach telling me to come over to the sidelines and rest. And he said, you know what? Maybe I don't want to rest. And then he said, and he put his hands on his hips like this. He said, 
Maybe men don't need rest. Maybe they need purpose. And I said, yep, that's going in this sermon. Because you, my friend, just helped me get to what we're really struggling with. Sometimes it isn't rebellion and unbelief. Sometimes we don't want God's rest. Sometimes we don't value it. Sometimes we don't want to be totally dependent on God. Sometimes we like working hard, okay? I like working hard. I like proving myself to the church and and proving myself to other people and proving myself to myself. I like working hard. And God is making us a much better offer. God is saying, great, work Work hard, but work to enter into my rest. If you're going to work, work to get to the place where you are confident in who God is to you. Work to get that same image of Jesus we had at the beginning back in your mind. You're reminded of who he is. You get rebellion and unbelief out the way. And now I'm going to stay in this place of rest. That's what we want to be working toward. We were not meant to be set free from our own personal Egypt and now be satisfied living in the desert where you have to worry about every single thing. There's a better way. There's a better experience. Which experience do you want? And, you know, I say this again as for myself. I say it for you. I say it for everyone that I see who is struggling to be in that place of confidence with the Lord. And working to get back into that place is going to look different for every single person. But I think there are a lot of things that just kind of generally work, like reading the word, like listening to worship music, like maybe intentionally carving a day out of your week when you take a Sabbath rest in order to get to that spiritual place of rest where you're confident and you're at peace again. So today, when you hear his voice, Stay faithful to Jesus. Avoid rebellion and unbelief and rest. Faithfully move toward your promised place of rest. In just a moment, we are going to move into our time of response. Um, We will sing, we'll take communion, but we'll also pray. And if there's something, a place, an area, an idea that you are not in God's rest where that's concerned, then come pray. Um, Last thought for you. Sarah, can I please have Hebrews 4, I think it's 12. Um, At the beginning of the message, I told you that, you know, I had a different message planned and I just felt God saying, I just want you to walk through the word. And I was like, no, God, that's a really bad idea. Are you sure you know what you're talking about? And then I got to the very bottom of Hebrews 4. For the word is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. This last passage almost feels like a non sequitur from where the author has been, but I think it's very intentional. 
that after talking through all of that, these very big, very complex subjects and wondering where do we go and what do we do with it, we go back to this word. Either the word that I'm gonna get up here and share is powerful enough to do its job and have impact, or it's not. And I had to rest in who my God is and what he said. That's it, keep at it, work this week, but work to enter into that rest and let that word that is alive and powerful do what it's gonna do. Let's pray. Lord, I just want your word to have the final word. And so I just speak over this church and this people that we will honor your word. We will prize your word. We will keep our eyes on you. We will stay faithful to you knowing that you first and foremost stay faithful to us. Holy Spirit, fill these next few breaths and give us insight on the way of rest. Amen.